Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Enders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Now in your favorite podcast app, Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Peacock Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good evening and welcome to an On The Whistle podcast. I am joined by Johnny, beer in hand. How are you, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, um, let's be honest, if you're not feeling at least a little bit better after a 6-0 mauling, um, then I don't know what we watch the game for. So yeah, feeling good and I'm pleased with the nature of the victory and, and we'll get on to whether we can draw any real conclusions and any, you know, over overriding positives out of it. But the goals were really nice. They looked pretty, didn't they? That was that was nice to watch. That was a that was like a, a real life YouTube highlight reel. So on that front, um nice to see us score a goal full stop. But that nice to lovely. see yeah, nice to see us score wicked goals. And built around at least one player. There's a, a few players who I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, one player in particular who, who, for me, is just... He just under underlines himself yet again as our... For me, I think our, probably our most important player now, particularly with our attacking issues that we have and have had for a while. And that is Bukayo Saka. I think he 
I tweeted out at half time or just before he scored his goal. We at this stage, I think it's com- I'm comfortable in saying we move as Saka moves. Like he he gets Ooh, us going like in a way in a way that I don't think anyone else, and I do mean anyone else in the whole team, gets us going. He was doing what he was doing for England in the summer where he was adding energy and drive and direction and getting the whole team moving in that direction. And he does it for Arsenal consistently. And even after, you know, it's been two games, but a slightly slower start because he was being drip-fed in, he looks like he could be ready to hit the ground running like and take up from where he did last year. Johnny, I'm I'm excited. I am footballistically frisky at the moment. After watching that game... I went into that expecting a 1-1 draw. If if we had had a 1-1 draw, I would have come out of there and I would have said, listen, the positive is we actually scored a goal today. So to come out with a, a 6-0 mauling, regardless of um, you know the fact that we were playing West Bromwich Albion teenagers, I thought was fantastic. Um, key highlights for me, Aubameyang playing with fire in his belly, uh, I haven't seen that in a long while, but he looked fit. He looked aggressive and he looked like he was excited to be out there. Erdegaard slipped seamlessly into the side. You know, not a blowout performance, but, you know, it's difficult to deny that having that creative um, talent in the side isn't going to um, put us on a good foot in this season. And yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Bukayo Saka was fantastic today, but he's got so much purpose in the way that he drives forward. Um, great control always looks dangerous um, and, and it was great to see him hitting peak physical fitness because he looked a lot, you know, he looked a lot sharper today. So that was good news. So uh, it's, um, it's an on the whistle. It's a midweek game. Everybody's going to go to bed early, but um, I think there are lots of things that we can talk about. Um, so that people go to bed with a smile on their face, Johnny. Also, <laughs> congratulations on, uh, on being on the BBC with, with the big, the big boys, Mr. Yeah, Richards, yeah. Clapper, Chappers. Well, I told him, I went, you know what I mean? Oi, Micah, you're getting loads of work on Sky Sports, mate, but stop bigging yourself up. I'm on with Pedro every week, and I tell you what, that guy is the pinnacle. And, you know, he went into his shell. He did. Chris you Sutton, don't honest. want to hear it, mate. You know what I mean? So, Too kind. You know. Too kind. <laughs> nice to see you on there. Nice to see you get a little bit of hate mail as well. Yeah, you know, um, it is funny, isn't it? We do sometimes. The fact is, is that... We are here giving opinions at the end of the day, and and I do so. Um, the one thing I can guarantee to anyone who listens is whatever I'm given as my opinion is my legit opinion. I'm not doing it to just rabble rouse or you know, or or as some people think, uh, as I was called this week, a renter gob. <laughs> That's a great one, hello. Renter gob. No, I, I, do you know what? It's actually funny enough for me to laugh, but in general. Um, you know, this is how I perceive the situation at Arsenal. And these are my views on the solutions for us to best get out of the quandary we find ourselves in. And let's face it, I, I'm of the opinion, um, one of the reasons why I do this and one of the reasons why I do this with you, for instance, is we ultimately have differing opinions. It's one of the things that I think people want to listen to the pod and, or, or watch Twitch for. We have different opinions. Uh, differing opinions over the most key fundamental issue facing Arsenal right now, which is um, in the immediacy, the manager, but also, you know, we're in more agreement when it comes to the structural issues, but particularly over the manager, we see it differently. But we can have discourse and discussion without resorting to name calling or saying that, you know, people needed to... 
to be dragged out, you know, dead or alive out of a stadium. So just basically just, you know, crazy, wild, you know, um, statements based, you know, piled on top of an opinion. right? And, and I think we discuss it in, you know, mature ways. And that's what all Arsenal fans should be looking to do. We should be removing ourselves from the kind of clickbaity um kind of comments and just respect that other people see it differently and some people if we look at Arteta for instance it's just one of the issues that we a number of people disagree on at Arsenal some people might see it different to you it doesn't mean they're an absolute you know insert swear word here or whatever else sometimes you can see it differently the only problem is that anyone who doesn't agree with me is an actual moron. That's the that's the only problem. But apart from that, you've uh, off that speech beautifully. <laughs> and I, I just to be clear, I I am I do this just for the wind up, just for the wind up. Just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. I just have uh, bad opinions. So let's um let's jump right into uh, let's jump right into the next topic. Obama Yang back to his best. Come on, like if that if that that is the story of the night for me. Big question marks. You know, if, if this season is going to um, succeed, for me, the only way it succeeds is Aubameyang goes from a 10-goal-a-season striker to a 25-goal-a-season striker. And my word, did he show that he was interested today, getting on the end of things, making great runs. And that, that was it his third finish where he, he, he pulled pulled something out of the Thierry and top pocket? Oh, my word. Fantastic. So it was great to see him back to his best because he had a rough year last year and it's like... Is it commitment? Is it mental health issues? Is it concerns about what's going on with your family back home? Is it just being in COVID is shit? Um, hopefully, that's a statement of intent and not a come and get me plea to Manchester City, who just lost out <laughs> on Harry Kane. What was your take on uh, the Aubameyang situation? Um, first of all, the ultimate positive is... Um, in an area of the field where, I mean, all football players rely on confidence and, you know, um, confidence delivers form at the end of the day and, and and it's cyclical. Obviously, the better you play, the more confident you get and then you play better and it keeps going. And obviously, it's very easy to lose and hard to gain. So on that front, the confidence that Aubameyang would have got through hitting a hat-trick, the first hat-trick since Theo Walcott, I think I heard them say in commentary. Uh, good old. <laughs> so miserable. <laughs> good old Theo. Um, uh, I may be wrong on what they've... It was something about Theo anyway. Um, but the fact is, is that it can do no end of good to Aubameyang, who is a confidence player. We always feel he's a confidence player. Sometimes that detracts from him because... When the chips are down, sometimes that's why you see him going hiding, if you like, because it's actually hard. And if he's not feeling confident or on it, he can just disappear in a game. And so to come into a game like this, and I agree with you, I thought he applied himself excellently. He looked hungry. He, um, you know... uh, Fit. He looked fit, but he scored goals based off of the one thing that, you know, Aubameyang, people who have a surface level understanding of Aubameyang's game will look at him as being a pacey Thierry Henry prototype when in reality most Arsenal fans know that that's not really when Aubameyang's at his best he scores most of his goals in the box he is quicker than any player around over the first five yards because he's mentally so switched on and and that is what should encourage all Arsenal fans he looks sharp he looks sharp to the ball they broke down again in, in the replays how he was so ready to gobble up those, you know, uh, chances. The one off, Pe- the one that Pepe hit off the post, 
that's a difficult chance to take first time, but he it really he, is, yeah. You know, he, that's 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 the quality that Aubameyang has had for has always had realistically, and we didn't believe had left him, and I don't think it has. The issue is, I actually think out of all of the positives we're going to talk about today, I think Aubameyang's one is outside of the confidence that he will gain the least um, useful going forward because the opposition. I mean, they were shocking today at times. That is a backup West Brom team. And, I mean, we're going to City on the weekend. Obviously, we're not going to be playing City every week. But Aubameyang is going to find it a lot, lot harder, um, as well as our creating, creative players are going to find it harder to create these opportunities for him. So I'm I'm delighted for the confidence he might get. And I'm, I'm pleased to see that he's trending in the right direction, finally. But we're going to need to see his form improve in those bigger games. And I do still wonder whether this, the setup of the team is still built for him. Like it's easier to get around those issues when you're playing a West Brom backup team who are playing a higher line, which is virtually on the halfway line. So amazing confidence. Great. And I hope he takes it and moves forward, but um, we certainly will need him to continue putting in quality performances before we can, you know, really feel like uh, he's turned that corner again. Yeah, you know, I think that that's an interesting point, that scoring against West Brom might not be the confidence boost that we're looking for. I slightly disagree, though. I think when you are a striker at that level, I think any goal in a competitive game means something to you. And the only reason that I am excited by the goals that he scored today He's been missing those chances, you know, like whether it's headers from six yards in preseason. He's it doesn't matter who he's been playing against. He's been missing chances that Obama Yang does not miss. And I think getting a hat trick and looking at that reaction that he had um, and, you know, the sort of relief on his face. I think that'll go a long way. Does that mean he's going to score a hat trick against Manchester City? No, um, unlikely. But it means that if he gets two chances against City, he's got a higher chance of scoring one of them. And prior to this game, if he'd got two chances against City, you could almost put your money on him missing them. And I also think the, you know, I don't think the play was fantastic tonight. I don't think we were great. I think that we were battering kids uh, for for the most part of it. (laughs) But I, I do like the idea that we spoke about quite a bit last season. You know, the best way to get something out of Ober as he heads into his... Uh, latter years and maybe his pace over 50 yards isn't quite what it was is to surround him with creative players that can open up the pitch and Erdegaard opens up the pitch Smith Rowe opens up the pitch so does Saka and even Pepe to a certain degree so I feel like we've got a good model now that can help support the game that he has and hopefully we get you know first Arteta season uh, Aubameyang this year and this is this is just the start, and you know we've got almost right off the Manchester City game because they're so good. But I think getting him into gear, hopefully he, he nicks a few goals. You know, it, it could be a twenty-goal season, and hopefully last year was an aberration, um, not a pattern that we have to be worried about. So I'm pleased for I'm pleased for Oba, pleased for Lacazette as well. You know, having two fifty million pound strikers on the pitch is better than having them on the bench. So. Um, overall, in the striking department, uh, a sigh of relief, unless we do something nuts, like sell one of them 
uh, in the next couple of days, which <laughs> is equally a possibility. Um, uh, one of the one of the things that you know, a couple of I'm just seeing there, Rod and King Meow in the comments were mentioning, and we've said this before on the pod, um, is mentioning the re- relevance of uh, a fans in the stadium with regards to Aubameyang. Because when we talk about him being a confidence player, he, more than anyone, I feel, is one of those people that feeds off the crowd, feeds off the interaction. Um, and he doesn't shrink when the lights are the brightest, when the fans are around. It's almost like he gets energy from them. Um, you know, in our biggest moments when the crowds have been there, he stood up. And I'm not saying this definitely is it. You know, it's being uh, posited as a potential reason for his decline last year it may be that he has gone off a cliff that's why one game against West Brom kids is not going to you know turn the corner but it may be indicative that since the crowds have started returning and Oba looks a bit more hungry and a bit more at it and uh, is ready to deliver but you're um, you're a performer you do comedy and stand up Uh, like going through the pandemic I watched a lot of comedian friends do live streams with no audience like what what's the difference between being in a live club and being on a stream like does do you get that same thing in a comedy club are you funnier with people sort of thing well the thing about it is is what people a lot of people who say they like comedy for instance um but they have just a surface level understanding of how it works if you like because they watch the live at the apollo or something like that or Deaf comedy jam and they're laughing, but they're not understanding that there are social sciences behind how it works. And it's exactly the same with football in, in this respect that, you know, when we look like this is a data, um, you know, this is a demonstrable thing through data in terms of home and away records. You usually win at home. You know, like obviously you don't win all the time, but you win more at home than you do away because the crowds are cheering you on and they're calling you a dickhead when you're away. And that, surprisingly, gets into people's heads because we're humans and it's not robots playing. This isn't FIFA. It's not exhibition matches. And and the same thing, you know, in, in terms of my live performances, of course you feed off the crowd. Um, and without that, you're just a man speaking into a webcam talking about stuff that is coming out of his stream of consciousness with little to no uh, gauge on whether it sounds reasonable or not. I'm just pleased that I've got you to do the, <laughs> to do the Arsenal stuff with, because then at least you're listening to me. At least Comedy. I'm laughing. <laughs> at least you can hear me laughing at your jokes. You exactly. are a funny man. There you go. There you go. Right, moving on to the next topic, because we're happy with uh, Obama Yang. Aaron Ramsdale. Listen, I, I had my doubts about Aaron Ramsdale. Then he won me over with his with his sweet story about his name is Aaron because his granddad was called Ron, and in Birmingham they say Ah Ron. Right, and that's all it takes to That's all it takes to win me over. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even analyze his performance today. All I saw was that beautiful story. Um, jokes aside, I thought Aaron Ramsdale had a really good start. Um, Pretty confident in the area. Um, some good shot stopping. His passing was pretty good. I know that he only dealt with four shots on target all game. But what did you think of the performance? Um, what do you think? We didn't really get your opinion on the Aaron Ramsdale transfer in general. So it'd be great to get your take there as well. Um, so in general, th- th- this is one thing. I don't usually like kind of responding to trolls on this because I don't want to feed it and stuff. But one of the people who've kind of come at me 
um, on Twitter, I think you've seen it anyway, suggested that because I was critical of Aaron Ramsdale, I was feeding into the disgusting, you know, abuse, online abuse that he was getting. <laughs> yeah. like, like, what true. are you talking about, guys? Do you even listen? Like, first of all, I don't think it is a good signing, the Aaron Ramsdale one. I don't. And it's largely to do with the fee that we paid. If this was a £10 million deal, there wouldn't be any complaints. Why would there for a backup keeper? £30 million is starting starting keeper money. I just don't really see when we still haven't got a proper right back, when we've got issues um, up front, you know, there are, there are loads of places in our team where you could reinforce because nowhere looks that robust right now. And if you're spending thirty million pound on a backup keeper, um, I just think it's a it's a poor use of money in terms of the player himself. I have seen more of him. I can't say um, you know I've watched every Aaron Ramsdale game, but I've seen more of him than you know some other potential keepers. I've seen several games a season of him, and I don't. I've not been that impressed by him to be honest. It's not to say I think he's a disaster, but. If you're spending £30 million, he's the joint most expensive English keeper of all time. That is That does not seem like a good use of money. That being said, let's cheer it up because it was a good day. He looked good today and that was that was great. But again, it was against West Brom kids that didn't really threaten it apart from at the start of the game where we looked really frail and looked like we were hung up on the poor results. Uh, which led to, uh, I can remember at least a well-worked corner, another one where the passing out from the back looked to it, looked like it was going to cost us at any point. Um, and we get to see how how Ramsdale copes with the passing out from the back on a longer over a longer period with players better than, I don't even know the geezer's name, who was playing up front with West Brom today. But um, that guy, when it's Premier League quality, he might struggle. But... Um, yeah, for, for for my for my money, I just think it's an excessive amount of money to have paid for a backup. Um, and if you're telling me that he is our new starting keeper, then I think we could do better. And I think we could do better, even if you're looking for an English option. I thought I don't think that Ramsdale offers enough on Leno. In fact, I'm actually not even sure he's as good as Leno. Um, to move us forward, whereas there are other keepers that could improve us in different areas, um, being more commanding. I know Ramsdale seems like he's got the uh, he wants to apply himself to be more dominant in the box than Leno, who can be a bit meek at times, but he also doesn't always convince me, even when he claimed the ball today, he ends up falling virtually on his head and knocking himself out. But, um, yeah, I think I am perfectly, perfectly, um, up for being proved wrong, wrong on Ramsdale. If he ends up being sensational, I'll be the first to hold my hands up. But I suspect, whilst maybe not a disaster, I'm, I'm not. I'm not fully convinced that he's what we needed in by any stretch. Certainly not for that money. Yeah, I mean, if there is a sign in this summer that I'm a little bit sceptical of, it might be <laughs> the Aaron Ramsdale one. But and in the main, it's because. It's really difficult to tell whether a goalkeeper is good when he's conceded 140 goals across two seasons. The positives that you can take seems like he is a very likable guy around um, training. He's got three player of the seasons at three separate clubs. And the Sheffield United fans were pretty adamant. You got a really good deal there. He's a, he's a very good goalkeeper. A lot of potential. Probably not Burnt Leno's level right now, but Burnt Leno's got two years left to run in his deal told the club that he didn't want to be there earlier in the summer. 
So I feel like a, a good transition year will be great. Bert Leno's got to play well this season because he's, he wants to get a move next summer. So I think it works. Uh, I think it works for everybody. Clean sheet to start. Let's see where it goes. But um, not many goalkeepers have that much experience at 23. Emmy Martinez, God bless him. Um, I think he was at Rotherham uh, at that age. Uh, Mendy was on the bench. Uh, Allison was behind Chesney at Roma. So hopefully that experience will amount to something moving forward. And um, But a good start uh, because there were some difficult saves to make and um, sometimes the nerves can get the better of you, even if it is against kids. So moving on to the next topic, Martin Erdegaard. Martin Erdegaard back in the side. Listen, he, he, he might not look like the most exciting player on the pitch, but he made a beautiful assist. He uh, Some of his balls from deep were fantastic. And he's just got a little bit of class that some of our young players don't yet have uh, with final delivery. What do you make of um, Martin returning? So um, this is uh, something that we've talked about for a number of weeks now. Now, I, I've been on record as saying I, I would have rather have us have got James Madison. Um, I thought he would have offered us more in terms of what we actually needed. But with the deal, that the way it got done and the numbers that were being talked about with James Madison, I actually think that now this is the best deal we could have got. At £30 million, that is a good deal. When it started to become 40, 45 for Odegaard, then it's like, we're just paying. I'm not sure we should be paying that when I think there are better options out there. The reason why I also brought up the... Um, Ramsdale uh, signing and the fee was because if we're coming up short on a player like Madison, and I know I've just said the Erdegaard thing, which we'll get back to, but I don't want to have to stop short on players that I think we really need because we've signed a backup goalkeeper for 30 million. Do you see what I mean? That That's yeah. what irked me. Um, in terms of Erdegaard, it's, it's a very encouraging performance. And I thought um, up there with Saka, Erdegaard's input was... Probably, probably the standout uh, positive of the game because he was someone that had justification to not be a hundred percent at it, even against West Brom kids. You know, his future's been in doubt. He hasn't played football in a in a while. He didn't really, you know, he has played with the Arsenal team, but he didn't think he was coming back to Arsenal. So for him to hit the ground running as well as he does um, was was really great to see. But um, you know, this isn't so much a slight on him, but in general, it's more of a target, if you like. He, Erdegaard, is so good technically. I don't think a game like this against kind of undisciplined, you know, young players who are not as technically sound as him uh, is the right kind of challenge. That's not what we're going to need from Erdegaard because he could do that with his eyes closed today. They're not as good as him. He can get on the ball. He can play tidy, spread spread tidy passes all around the field and just run the show. When you're playing up against elite opposition who have a Kante or a Fernandinho or whatever sitting on you, can you influence the games? Can you keep creating those special moments that can unlock a defence and be the difference for us in those big games? Because that is ultimately what we are going to need, as well as someone who is obviously bringing the creativity that he needs. So it was nice to see him get seemingly back up to speed quite quickly, but... We are going to have to see, and I, I'm not saying he can't do it. I, I'm hopeful he can. If anything's going to help him do it, it's the experience he had last year of us, um, meaning that he's not going in cold to these games anymore. It's not going in cold to 
a Liverpool or a City or a United, a big game. So I hope that he can really start to influence these because if he does, we will have had an absolute snip on our hands at £30 million for the guy because he has got a very high ceiling. He's technically, you know, a very good player, as I always stated. Um, But he'll have to find a way to... um, get over the slight lack of pace that he has at times. And there is there are ways of doing it. There's loads of, you know, Bernardo Silvers and characters like that in the league. They find ways to get it done. And I think Erdegaard can. And I hope that, uh, you know, he can evolve to the next iteration of himself as a player because I think he's got all the talent. Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock original Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock, Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Can't hear you, mate. I, I agree. I think that was the best deal that we could have done this summer. I think, like, Buendia was an interesting signing, but we've got Martin Odegaard for eight million cheaper. He knows Arsenal. We know that he can play at a high level. Um, I think that he's going to add goals and assists to his game this season. And it also helps bringing in a player that's had six months trying to understand whatever the system is and has a good relationship with Arteta because obviously not many people do these days. So I'm um I am I'm, I'm happy with his performance. Thought his um thought some of his play was good and I think he's only going to get better and if if there's any player that's going to adapt to to a lack of pace, I think it's someone like him because he comes across as a very intelligent um sharp young man and I, I can't wait to see what he offers to Aubameyang this season because you know, before his injury last season, he was putting up trees. And I actually thought when he sort of got back to fitness and he ran the show against Brighton, like we need to see the West Ham Erdegaard more often. Second half against West Ham when he just pulled all the strings. And if we've got that player on a consistent basis, then we really do have a, a bargain on our hands. So um, that was exciting. Uh, moving on to the next topic. And I'm just throwing this one out there. It doesn't have to be a long one. Ainsley came on in midfield, opened up the play for uh, for one of our later goals. Is there any hope for Ainsley? I mean, he, he did some some cleaning up for Elneny when Elneny lost the ball in possession, like he usually does. Um, he's got more pace than anybody else um, in our side. We know that he's got some swagger to his game, um, but it feels like a weird, a, a weird kind of like, the coach thinks he lacks application or something like what's your take on um, the Ainsley situation? I, um, I don't think there is a future for Ainsley, not while Arteta's in charge. If Arteta moves on, I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is exactly the kind of player that a new coach might come into Arsenal and look at and go, wow, you've been underutilized for a number of years and I could actually make a hell of a player out of you, make, you know, give you a position, whether you like it or not, it might be right back where you are playing there. And if you want to play for Arsenal, that's it. No complaints. That's it. Um, But, you know, if there was going to be more of a positive bit of hope for Ainsley, why wouldn't he start in a game like this? You know, um, 
we're not. Although it was an absolute must-win game, this is this has to be. I mean, this was a team that he was on loan at last year and playing in the first teams pretty regularly. So why would this be above his pay grade if he can't get a game against West Brom kids and he's having to come on for half an hour? Then I don't really see um, the the situation being wildly rectified on that front. I don't. I certainly don't see him getting game time in the Premier League, and. You know, we don't we don't know for sure the conversations that have been had. Obviously, it seems like he's told Arteta of a preference to play in midfield. But when our need seems to be so glaringly at right back, I don't understand why he hasn't been rolled out there at right back. He's surely got to be better than Callum Chambers trying to get that up and down the byline, whipping balls in. Um, he offers us more. And when we've seen how lopsided we are as a team in terms of our attacking uh, the play we get from our attacking fullbacks, not only with Kieran Tierney um, more typically, but Tavares today, who I'm sure we'll get on and talk to about his bright performance. But, um, you know, we need, at the very least, we need to flirt with um, a bit of balance. We need a, a, a right back who could at least, you know, a couple of times a game just run forward and and make the opposition have to at least account for it and have to at least think about it um, because at the moment we're so lopsided that the other teams can almost shuffle across because they know it's going to go through Tierney's side. And that's making us far too predictable and easy to uh, play against. So, yeah, to surmise, I don't actually think this is, um, you know, a, 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 a ray of hope, if you like, for Ainsley. I think ultimately his fate will be intertwined with Arteta and ultimately Arteta moving on. Yeah, Ainsley's uh, Ainsley's an odd one because you felt he had the world at his feet when he was playing right back. Kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, he's a good defender, arguably one of our best right backs if he applied himself. And when you play in an Arteta system, you can also invert as a midfielder. So it just seems absurd that he wouldn't want to take that chance um, because he's he hasn't taken the opportunity to really sort of coach himself in the role. Now he's in this almost Reese Nelson-like position where all the scouts have watched him do a do a bad job in West Brom's midfield and it doesn't seem like he's attracting any attention and I can't for the life of me work out what the problem is because he would be a, he, you know, he'd be a great player in most teams. He's very flexible, can play all over the park. But I think as Sam Allardyce said, it's like, you know, if I were if I were Ainsley and I was told to play right back, I would I would play there and maybe coaches don't want to put him there and they don't want to try and sign him as a right back and then he kicks off about it. So real sad situation because, you know, anybody that can put Mares in their pocket or Adama Traore in their pocket has got something about their game. And yeah. it's always a shame to see young players mess things up because they don't apply themselves because I bet your bottom dollar in 10 years time, if he doesn't have the career that he wanted, he'll look back and say, I, I should have said yes. I should have just sucked it up had a good good five years playing in that role and then gone to be a midfielder later on in my career or something like that. And and I can speak from first-hand experience. Like when I used to play over Hackney Marshes, yeah. I used to get put a right back quite a lot. And I was like, leave it out, mate. I've got all the talent. You know what I mean? Got some new got some new Nike boots. They they don't deserve right back kind of game time. Put Pro me in materials. the hole. Exactly. You know me, oh. you know, and, and some predators at one point. But oh, lovely. Diff, different types of games. But um, in the end... I realised that at at that level, 
which is Sunday morning football. Everyone wants to play a striker or in the hole and make themselves feel like they could have made it. And you're much less, less likely to get games in centre mid and in the hole and up front than you are at right back. And I probably would have played a lot more if I just sucked it up and, and, and you know, just done my duty. But there you go. But the difference between me and AZ Mate and Niles is I weren't getting paid tens of thousand pounds a week. I was having to get myself out of bed with a hangover, often without food. And so, <laughs> I'm sorry, play me where I want to play. You know what I mean? The diva's coming out. So, there you go. <laughs> and if, yeah, and th- that's the thing as well. You're like, well, what could you do to your salary if you were a good Arsenal right back doing something you didn't like? Yeah, you could you, you could you could easily be a hundred and ten grand a week player if you own that position uh, a top six level in the Premier League, and it just it just blows my mind that his agent isn't like, look, just get yourself established in a big team because the next move could be Atletico, it yeah. could be Inter Milan or somebody. You'll always find work if you've shown that for three seasons you could do an adequate job play in a, a you know an interesting system so real shame for him there because um you know I, I would love to see him play I think he's got so much swagger about his game it's just uh just looks like a, a personal choice um another a new player that we have got Tavares boy oi Tavares what a bag of chaos that is <laughs> what is going on uh so I cost us eight million he looks like he's got pace Looks like he's got pretty good technique. Looks like he likes to be on the ball. Um, and he's got a deadly, deadly cross that looks like it could be a bit of a weapon moving forward. Um, what's your hot take on Tavares? Um, well, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, Theo, if you are listening, he sometimes does, shout out to you. He came up with a word which I thought was um very apt for Tavares and that in terms of what he enjoyed about him and that was tenacity he's like I, I'm loving his that I'm like yes yes that is the word it is tenacity and in general I think um it was just his energy in in general in terms of what how he was influencing the game that got me so excited because there were sometimes this is again it's kind of links into what I was saying about Aubameyang at the start and why I won't get too carried away outside of the confidence because uh, it could be a false dawn because it some things are dependent on the opposition you're facing. However, there are some things that players do which do, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you apply yourself like this, you're going to cause bother. It doesn't matter if it's Chelsea, City, whoever. You know, Aubameyang might not find himself in five yards of room to go in and find it easy to go inside a curling top corner against City or Chelsea. They know. But if your game is built around non-stop running, being fast, being strong, being able to get stuck in, make make challenges, whip balls in, it doesn't matter who he's playing against. That is going to cause people troubles. And for a team, as I spoke about earlier, that seems to be so heavily reliant on a left fullback, we <laughs> had to um, reinforce that area because our left back is so injury prone. We had to at least get some level of cover. So as to when that fullback in, in Kieran Tierney is out, we don't just fall off a cliff. And it's not just, you know, can we get Cedric Suarez in who stopped running now? to start whipping balls in from 40 yards out. We need someone to add the energy, add the add the tenacity, thank you, Theo, 
Um, and ultimately, I think Tavares looks like a very, not to say that we're thinking of replacing him, but a very adequate heir apparent to um, Kieran Tierney, certainly if he does continue have, to have these injury problems. Yeah, I he's he's chaos to me. You just look, he's just, he's chaos. He's problematic. I don't even think he knows where he's going to move. He's, he's, his body's too quick for his mind. He's just all over the place. But it's fun to watch. I think maybe he holds onto the ball a little bit too long. I think that um, hopefully he'll learn over the next season when to release. But what, what I like about him is um, he's so fast that he's going to pull people out of position because you've got to track him. You have to track those runs and you have to get there. You have to get to him quick because his first time delivery is exceptional. I mean, like he, he really has a lot of talent and that listen, there's no doubt that he's going to get a 10 game run this season because uh, Tierney is not the most robust of, of left backs. And whilst Tierney is a much better defender and much more seasoned to have somebody in the side that young um, with that much potential excites me. You know, I think we had a discussion earlier on in the summer. It was like, do you want Ryan Bertrand, who's 31 and safe? Or do you want to take a chance on a 21-year-old that could be something special? And I know that we just played a bunch of teenagers, but it looks like Tavares has something about his game and he could be a very tidy signing for 8 million. It looks like a better, better value than Bertrand right now. 100%. This is the other thing. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I know in the Arsenal fan sphere, i.e. on Twitter and, you know, socials, they talk about the fact that, you know, some Arsenal fans focus too much on the fees that we've been paying and why does it matter? It's players. But the fees do matter when you're talking about finite resources and you know, other sources that we're hearing where we can't afford to pay certain players you know, certain amounts, but we seem to find money for other players. And that is why, for me, the deals that I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with more than ever are Martin Erdegaard, Tavares, Lokonga. These all are not exorbitant amounts of money, and they're all players that have shown more than enough promise that they are going to be at least sound Premier League players, if not very good play- players. Whereas Ben White, I don't, I don't um, discount that he's a talented player as well and can be good for us. But fifty million is you've got to be good money. Do you see what I mean? Like, like you can't be a bust at fifty million. Like it has to work. And Aaron Ramsdale at thirty million, you can't play three games a year sitting on the bench, mate. That, that it doesn't make sense. And so it's much easier for all of um, Tavares. And yeah, he had a couple of misplaced passes. For me, I think that's a learning curve. He's still a young player, but. He is the at the opposite end of the spectrum as a Nicolas Pepe, for instance, who comes in seventy-two million pound, and when he misplaces passes, we're going, "Hold up, seventy-two million! You know, yeah. Tavares does it a couple of eight million, mate. Oh, it's all right, then. Yes. Hello, Have you know, you're one. doing really. Have he's just learning. One. He's a he's a lovely lad. So, um, you know, um, oh, but ultimately, that's how the club helps a player by not paying over the odds for players because it increases pressure on the ones that uh, have been paid over the odds for. And some of them cannot handle, handle that pressure. And we've got a few of those kinds of guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, that's the, that's the perfect profile of player and the average age of the signings that we brought in this summer, 22 years old. That's where Arsenal need to be playing and unearthing players that nobody understands 
where they've come from, and then they 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 do good things in the pitch. That's like the the Arsene Wenger. You know, uh, you you'd see a player come on, you'd be like, who the hell is that? And then you know, a year later, it's Robert Perez, and you know he's being compared to Zidane. So um, promising. Um, so let's move on to uh, uh, some Galaxy Brain chat right now. Cola in defence when he's, when we're trying to terminate his contract. What a weird, weird play there. Kalasanak in central defence to start with was almost disastrous because he was horrendous for the first 15 minutes today. Um, he looked unfit. He uh, looked like a deer caught in headlights. What the what the what the hell? <laughs> what in God's name is uh, Arteta playing at with Kolasinac uh, in central defence? What did you make of that? It's just the latest in a long line of very odd strategic moves. I mean, <laughs> do you know? Do you know when um, Arteta first come in and he started playing? these fringe players who we thought would have no future. And we were all kind of saying, oh, I think he's doing it to kind of buff up their transfer value so we can move them on and, you know, or even salvage career. And then largely that none of them got moved on. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, okay. He's just kind of playing them. And he's he's trying to show that he can salvage people's careers. And, you know, it, it, that just came to mind because, Obviously, the saga, the Granite Xhaka saga over the um, summer, and I, I wasn't, I, I was, I was not disappointed with us um, keeping Xhaka. I thought he is one of the lesser of our issues right now. Um, I do think there's a lot of argument, which I do, I understand completely about why in the world do we need to give him a contract extension, even if you keep him. You know, arguably that is because it's just protecting. Out uh, uh, value that doesn't exist exactly value doesn't exist, but also giving the player renewed encouragement that he is part of our plans. So you know, again, I don't think it's the biggest disaster solely. Anyway, the Granite Xhaka thing on its own, but there are some players that once you've got to the stage where it's quite clear they don't have a future, what are you doing with what you know? When I'm seeing. Um, uh, we've got Callum Chambers and Bob Holding playing there. I'm thinking, you know, obviously it can come down to the way Arteta wants to play. And it's hard to crit- critique it too much when we've won 6-0, even if it was against West Brom kids. But for me, if you're really trying to make a stand of how the season is going to progress under your leadership moving forward, it's surely got to involve the players who are going to be there in six months. You know, and Kolasinac doesn't give me that sense he's going to be there. So why is he playing? He won't be there in six days. <laughs> exactly. It's just it's, it's just odd, you know. Um, I'd, I'd rather see one of the kids play there because clearly the kid, you know, I mean, we don't even need to talk about a young boy who's tearing it up in, in Marseille right now uh, as a centre-half. But yeah, but that but that is, um, when you've got, when your backup defenders are blowing it out of the park, then no one look. Everyone looks at Saliba and says, "Great, he's having a he's having a good loan spell." That's what what we wanted. When your backup defender is Pablo Marie, and you're probably not playing him in the West Brom game because he get turned over. Yeah. That's when you start saying, "This looks personal with Saliba." Because although I didn't want, I wouldn't have wanted Saliba to get brutalized by Lukaku. At the same time, at least. Arsenal losing 2-0 against Chelsea, he would have learned something for the next time. 
like Pablo Marie falling over. He's 28 years old. He's got he's got nowhere else to go in his career. He's lucky yeah. to have a job at Arsenal. Um, I, he, I just wondered with all those centre backs that we've got, Kalasanak. What what was going through his mind? I thought he was p- going to play him at right back, or, or he was going to mess up the right back position today to prove a point that he doesn't have a right back. But it just seemed like an odd an odd move, you know, play a left back and centre back. But there you go. It is odd, though. And, and you know, those points you just made about Saliba, I hate to say it, but this is what myself and a number of the other people were talking about. Him. And I know we're not going to be able to call tonight. them ultras. Saliba ultra ultras. gang that you've got going on. <laughs> Johnny leading the ultras. The Saliba ultras are the most influential subculture on Twitter post-Arsenal losing. And you are you are leader. I'm, I'm, I'm firmly entrenched, firmly entrenched with them guys, like-minded, sound individuals. But um, no, the fact is, is that we all said at the time, how can you look at this situation and think there won't be an opportunity? Because obviously we've got less games. We haven't got the European games, but what? Saliba couldn't play in a Carling Cup game. But also you talk about Lukaku. I don't think Lukaku would have treated Saliba like that because he would have brutalized. Not, he absolutely would have brutalized Saliba. It, it's not to say it's not to say that he wouldn't have had his way a bit. It's that Saliba ain't getting outpaced by by um, Lukaku. Mari has an issue with pace. That's why he's always struggling to try and make up with that. He has to rely on his positioning. The problem with his positioning against someone like Lukaku is Lukaku can stand on him rough him a bit and out sprint him. So there's not many places for Mari to go. Saliba, I think, might have been naive approaching someone like a Lukaku and might have been exposed at that level. But I think, like you said, he could learn from that and he has all the attributes to be able to prevent a Lukaku in a year or two's time from doing that again because he is strong, he is tall, he is quick. And, you know, I think you learn from playing against these people. But... Tell me, and I know, I know we've had a better, um, we had a, obviously a, quite a decent defensive record last year, but looking at it, the eye test tells you that there's a number of our defenders who ain't, it's not like they're shocking, but they ain't great. You know, Rob Holding, Callum Chambers, um, Pablo Mari, none of them, if you told me that they were going to get sold, I wouldn't cry, cry over any of them because I think they're interchangeable. Uh, they might not let you down, but they're not—they're not the be all and end all either. No, I—I I, I agree. I agree. Look, I think it's—I um, think it's good that Saliba's going to get thirty-eight games this year. That—that's that, fantastic news. He wouldn't have got that at Arsenal, but at the same time, he is an Arsenal player. And if this Pablo Marie that we've seen in the first two games of the season is <laughs> Pablo Marie, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? Because Arsenal fans will forgive Saliba. Your ultras will forgive Saliba making mistakes in the central centre of defence. And it's just baffling that someone that tall, that fast, that good on the ball is shunted out again. But, you know, there's just an, an, another weird uh, weird and wacky story about uh, Arteta. There you go. There you go. Uh, by the way, um, we have done uh, quite a lot of positives. Uh, just a negative. I don't know if it's going to be a next field we're wrapping up, but for me, there is a negative, right? And um, that is Nicolas Pepe. I looked at that game and I I am just roundabout at the end of it with him now. I, d- I just don't think he's going to make it with Arsenal. I don't, And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything wildly revolutionary here. I think most fans have at least, you know, countenanced the idea that he might not make But I really, do- I just, 
don't see the progression that we are going to need from him. And for he's a player that just consistently makes the wrong choice all the time. Like you watch him and he's just like, is, are you going to play the ball? No, I'm not going to dribble. All oh, right, you've lost it. Oh, are you going to dribble this time? Because you can beat the man. No, I'm going to play a ball. You've messed up again. Even that chance that Ober eventually tucked away, you've got to finish that. There's another one where he hits the bar. You've got to finish that. These are one-on-ones, big chances. You don't do enough in the game to justify open goal misses. Like, you need to tuck these things away. And for me, I think there's a a, a mental issue with him. Um, We've talked before about his timid kind of character. I think, you know, I, I know personally from people in and around the club where they said that he's quite a meek character. He, he is, as you might expect, he doesn't talk much. He keeps himself to himself. And um, I think that plays out and, uh, and bears fruit on the field. But it also, when I talk about weak mentality, it's also about, um, again, picking the wrong choices all the time uh, and not being able to develop, to, uh, to develop on his game on that front, which for me seems like it's just spelling the end. When you are a £72 million player and you've been at a club for 18 months and you've been given chance after chance after chance and you can't bury a teenage West Brom side, it says something. It Mm. really does say something. And Nicholas Pepe has got his own propaganda network as well. And people were messaging at the weekend. They were like, if you put him in Liverpool's side, he'd score 30 goals a season. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. I'm sorry. Some of these chances, um, um, spaces that he gets into, he always makes the wrong decision. The most frustrating thing about him is a, a player of that pace, when he controls the ball and he stops, and then he tries to get going, and then he goes past one player and falls over. And it's just because he's he is Jovino levels, mm. uh, and I, I and I, I feel mean saying that, but we've seen enough now. And I don't know what you think, but my suspicions are that when we get a full set of players to choose from. I think he's back on the bench. I don't I, I don't see how there is any other choice. I think that somebody else is going to slot into that position because he's not the full ticket. No, he has to he has to go back to the bench. Uh, and again, I think some of the players and our assessment on them will be determined de- determined by what happens with a manager. If we're three weeks down the line and Arteta gets sacked, I do think there are managers that might come in who could look at certain players, like we talked about with Ainsley, and go, oh, actually, I might be able to get something out of you. But the reality is, is I don't really see anyone who will come in and straight away think Pepe's the answer to, to what we need. And I think that right now in Emil Smith-Rowe, um, Martin Erdegaard and Saka, when you look, if you want to know what we need out of Pepe, all you have to do is look at Saka. Now, Saka, I think one of the other benefits to Erdegaard, which we didn't mention, is I think the biggest impact he has is actually on Saka. I, I think there's a chemistry there which is still growing, which I like to see. And the fact is, is for me, Saka is actually the leader of the team now. I, I really, he is the, he, as I say, we go as he goes. But it is so much pressure to put on a, a, a guy of his age to have to do it week in, week out. Whereas Erdegaard, for his limitations in, in that he can't necessarily... I don't think he has as high a ceiling as Saka does, for instance. But he's already been in, a, in and around a professional top of the pile, football pile um, environment. He's played with Ronaldo. He's played with Luka Modric. This stuff don't scare him. 
Do you know what I mean? Uh, going to West Brom, kids, it ain't a problem for Erdegaard. And that level of authority rubs off on our new spiritual leader, which is Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, who's going to be um, very much on the same lines. And I think that between them three, I think it will be um, our best hopes at kick, clicking into gear and going to a next level with our attacking unit, because I do think that they can find harmony, them three. They play together really well and they can all go up a gear together. I agree. So we actually turned a negative into a, a positive uh, to finish the show, which I think is good. We should just uh, scan through um, a couple of uh, a couple of tweets because uh, there was one question from Major General. Uh, thoughts on Willian leaving? Let's celebrate. If Willian is leaving Arsenal, it will be because Corinthians are going to pay him twenty five grand a week. And Arsenal are going to pay 225 grand a week. There is no way that he's giving up two years of the most mega deal that he's ever had in his life. But the the great news is that he won't be moping around the training ground. So I think that that's pretty good news. There's only enough space at Arsenal for one haircut like that. And now, Johnny, that's going to be yours. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know... I've been working hard to try and shift my beer belly. And the more the Willie Ann rolls around slightly out of shape with that haircut, people will think, oh, Johnny's let himself go again. You know, he's got he's got the Christmas chocolates out early. And, you know, it's I, I just don't need that kind of confusion out there. You know, I'm I'm buff trying to get. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's great news. The quicker we can get Willie Ann out. And I, I did actually read your um, blog earlier as well. And you said it's the worst signing of recent times and I think it's hard to agree obviously Pepe for different reasons in terms of sign on fee but in terms of giving a player that much money and how it's gone it's been an unmitigated disaster that anyone who has had anything to do with it even the person who let who lent Willian a pen to sign the contract should feel absolutely ashamed of themselves it's 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 a mucky mucky transfer and one that Ultimately, we just need to wrap up this whole fiasco ASAP. And, of course, we'll be paying most of his wages or half his wages because we've done the same with Ozil. But that speaks to how poorly the club is being run at this stage. But, you know, at least for the good of everyone's morale, he just needs to move on now. Agree with all that. Um, What was the Marie Arteta exchange about? No idea. Arteta seemed to think it was a funny joke. Pablo Marie left looking quite offended. So what 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 um uh, exchange do we think we talking about? It was an exchange on the the bench where Arteta and Marie were having a bit of a a back and forth, and Pablo Marie looked utterly shocked at something Arteta said, and Arteta walked from the bench thinking whatever he'd said was hilarious. Ah, uh, right. I think it was something about. Why is Kalasanex playing centre half? And he went, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, we've got um, Benny DeVito. Uh, haven't seen Benny DeVito in the LaGrove comments section, but he's a much loved character. Uh, nice to see that he is uh, about. Good to see you on the, on the show, Benny. Um, have we got anything else? Some comments on whether we're wearing the same shirt. Not quite. Not quite. No, I thought this literally just before I come on here, I was like, 
I'd been wearing this shirt today and I was like, oh, that's a bit leery for a Arsenal opinion stream. Maybe I'll change the shirt. And then just as I came on, I saw you wearing out. I thought, fuck it. To be fair, Pete sets the standard. So if anything, this is this is quite formal and low key compared to some of the shirts you've pulled out. Different shirt, same catwalk. <laughs> uh, then we've got we've got one question i probably won't go into this too much but there's a rumor of edu possibly getting booted um what would we get ralph over mars or somebody else um i don't know how true the rumors are that edu is out but what i think we can pretty much guarantee there has been a falling out between arteta and edu and we know that because we everybody saw the brentford press conference and everybody knows that arteta falls out with everybody. And I think because of all the things that we've spoken about with William, there are underperforming on the pitch does not always get you the sack at Arsenal, but wasting money that is KSEs does get you the sack. And I think that there is a lot of wastage in the system. And if you work in a big mega organization, everything is about optics and the optics of Edu being on a boat with Kia and Raul this summer, bad barbecuing after a loss and putting it on your social bad like those sorts of decisions catch up with you in the end so i I wouldn't be surprised and my choice out of this list probably mark overmars he knows the club i think he's got experience working with young players ajax when they're at their peak um, and they have been over the last five years played an explosive style of football um, I think he would be very suited to a young coach like arteta and if it didn't work out with arteta then 10 hag in the door what do you think? Uh, um, so I definitely think the rumours of Edu being under threat is, uh, are very much um, founded in truth. Whether it will definitely happen or not, I'm not 100% sure. But we predict, well, I, I certainly said this was going to be happening a while ago because the fact is when people were like, oh, Arteta won't get sacked, he won't get sacked. I said, the, I, I think there's a good chance he will get sacked. And the reason why you'll get sacked is because if results continue going the way they do, it's not enough for people like Vinay and, you know, Edu for that matter, saying, oh, no, Arteta's doing a good job. Because it's not going to be long until the pitchforks get turned at you. Because we know it's not all Arteta's fault of why we're in the mess we are. Well, I know that, and I want Arteta gone. But for, for them to start looking at... at basically they're going to have to give the baying mob a pound of flesh at some point if we continue to um, disappoint in the way that we have. And so that someone is going to have to take culpability for the shit show that has ensued for the last 18 months. And of course, Arteta is ready to serve up Edu because it's, it's probably going to give him a stay of execution. I think they're both going to get sacked anyway. Um, and for that matter, I would definitely say I'd prefer Ralph. Um, we, We've already employed someone who knows the Arsenal DNA in uh, Edu and look where we are now. So I wouldn't necessarily give over, not to say Overmars is an, an outstanding candidate anyway, he is. But yeah, I think for, for all of um, the things that we've previously spoken about needing, trying to instill instill that culture, having an experience of doing it consistently, working with different managers and still maintaining the same part. I think Ralph is the obvious choice of someone who's got bags of experience and would really be able to hit go time with with this club and get us moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I Ralph is uh, doing some consulting in Moscow at the moment. So I, I don't think he would 
turned down the chance to to run the technical department at Arsenal. I actually would um, would pull you on one point. I think the ultimate Machiavellian move is if you are going to change things up, Edu has to go first. And the big fear at Arsenal would be a man who relied on his agent for ideas, picking the next manager is not a good idea. So if you get the technical director out first, Arteta thinks he's had a massive win because he's cleared out Edu. Wrong, Mikel, because then you put a new technical director in almost immediately. You give that technical director three months to get their bearings in the club. And then if Arteta isn't performing, they're out. And the technical director can apply a manager, a manager profile to the squad profile. So I think if Arteta thinks getting rid of Edu is going to help him anyway, I think he's in for a, a rude awakening because I think that... I would be very, very concerned of a new technical director coming above me because that new technical director will come above Arteta. Arsenal will not make the same mistake of of, of leveling off and creating a sort of two CEO structure. So I think um, Arteta's got to watch himself because uh, you know the next few months are crucial. He could get sacked, and he has to start um, stop falling out with people and stop making bad decisions. But we need a technical director. We need someone with experience. And we need someone that gets the culture of the club because, you know, Don Raul, you know, hiring in someone from Barcelona where they can burn 300 million a summer and nothing happens. You know, we can't have that. We need someone that understands where our store is a club, where they need to go, and what the expectations are. But I'm quite excited about the prospect. I won't lie. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the rationale of all that. But once again, I think your love affair with Arteta just refuses to leave you. And uh, although I do completely get, again, the logic of getting a, a technical director to be consulting in a, any managerial replacement, the fact is, is that the pressure will always come to the manager. He still pick, And this, you know, Arteta doesn't deserve to stay in the job. He, he should have already been sacked, in my opinion. Of course, it's not all his fault, but... There's enough blame to go all around right now. That's how I feel. And yeah, you know, if it if it meant that we got a Ralph in and it took a, a you know a month or two for Arteta to go, fair enough. Like whatever way, but Arteta is. I'm even more convinced now. Arteta is not the answer for what for anything that we need to do. And I would be if I was talking to Ralph, I would be saying to him. Who do you want to who do you want to bring in as manager? But so so those conversations can start. Because for me, it's all well and good trying to distance yourself from Edu when you're Arteta, but you've both presided over this shit show. It's not one person's or the others. You've both got lots of blame here, and uh, you're both hopefully not too long for the um for the Arsenal world. Well, we hope that. Arteta is long for the Arsenal world because it means we're having a good season. Oh, well, yeah, okay, okay. If we if he wants to win the league, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, he I'll... Listen, we just beat West Brom teenagers six 0 The <laughs> league is coming home. It's going to be a big one. Uh, Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? Um, as always, it's at I Johnny Cochran. Um, lovely to see uh, some new followers joining in in the family um, and, and interacting. It's always good to have Arsenal chats and yeah, any of my comedy bits that I will post on there, things I'm doing. Uh, and I'm at iJohnnyCochran on Twitch as well. So you can follow me there. 
Awesome. Um, thank you to everybody that's watching on this Twitch. We know it's late at night. Uh, thank you for the questions. We really appreciate them. Uh, Johnny and I will be back at the weekend for a bloodbath um, against Manchester City. Yeah. But um, uh, get on iTunes before, after a 6-0 win. When you're feeling good, give us a five-star rating. And uh, yeah, we'll see you at the weekend. Ciao for now. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's your Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.